This morning's reading is from John, uh, chapter 2, verses 13 to 24. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get out of here! Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It's taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to Rob for um, that zealous reading. It was great, wasn't it? You know, uh, I love the Bible. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those places that I find those penny-dropped moments, you know, when... I'm wired in such a way that I love it when I learn something new or something suddenly becomes clear. You know, I think that's why I like whodunits and reading books and stuff because suddenly you realize, I know, I know it's, it's all sort of become clear to me. And I love those um, light bulb moments. Um, but yeah. The Bible, I get more of those light bulb moments reading the Bible than I do from any other places because every day God speaks to me through the Bible. And I'm sure many, many of you here read the Bible um, every day, and that's really great. Um, but I'm always fascinated by the fact that it was written by over at least 40 authors or writers. And uh, it took 1,500 years from the earliest book to the latest book to be written. And they were all put together in one Bible. But despite all those years and all those pens, there is one author. And that author is the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. And that author uh, wrote one story, the story of God's love for creation and how Right from the beginning to the end, God wanted to be with his people. And uh, it all points to Jesus who made the way 
that, uh, that he could um, restore mankind to his people. So uh, having said that, let, let's just have a, a moment for a prayer. Father God, I just pray that you will open your word to us today, that you will speak into our hearts, that we will go away different people from the people who came into this place. For you are the living God, and we thank you. Amen. We're going to uh, watch a video. Oh, well, perhaps I ought to tell you, in case you haven't realized, we're in the middle of a series. You know, the Love Is series. Well, we've got a Jesus Is series. So we started with Jesus Is, the Word Made Flesh. And then last week, James brought us Jesus Is the Messiah. And today, we're looking at Jesus Is the Temple. So uh, that was a, that's a bit of a strange one to get your head around. So I found a fantastic video that I hope we'll be able to explain uh, about Jesus being the temple. Okay. If you could go back to the city of Jerusalem during Bible times, the biggest thing you'd see is the temple. This beautiful building was designed by King David and built by King Solomon and they believed that it was the home of the God of the universe. Wait, I thought God's home was in heaven. Well, the whole point of this earthly temple is that it's the place that overlaps with God's heavenly home. The temple is where God lives and rules all creation as king. That's cool, but even Solomon, who built the temple, didn't believe that it could contain the God of the universe, right? Yeah, the building was just a symbol, and it pointed to the fact that all of creation is God's temple. And that's actually what the first page of the Bible, Genesis 1, is all about. Really? It says that creation is God's temple? Well, it doesn't need to say it. The whole story shows it. In Genesis 1, God creates an ordered world out of a dark wasteland by speaking in a series of seven days. Then on the seventh day, God's presence fills creation as he takes up his rest and rule. Similarly, the tabernacle and later the temple were built and dedicated in a series of seven speeches and seven days, after which the priest or king could rest and rule in God's presence. Ah, so all of creation is where God intends to dwell. It's like his temple. Exactly. Now, turn the page to Genesis 2 and we get another portrait of creation. This one focuses in on the land. And in the center of the land is a region called Eden, which in Hebrew means delight. And in the middle of delight, God plants a garden in which God and humanity live together. And that's why the temple was modeled after the garden, filled with imagery of gold and flowers. The menorah symbolized the tree of life. It's the place where God dwells with his people. Oh, got it. And check this out. In the temple, the Israelite priests and Levites were to work and to keep the temple in God's presence. This is exactly the job description given to humanity in the Garden of Eden. So these humans were the first priests. But instead of ruling with God, they wanted to rule on their own terms, and they're exiled from the Garden Temple. And like Adam and Eve, Israel's leaders also wanted to rule on their own terms, and they too were exiled. The temple was destroyed, and this left them wondering, did God give up on Israel? Will God bring about a new creation? Well, the biblical prophets anticipated the day when God would create a new temple with a new priesthood. That's when God's presence would fill all of creation. And when the Israelites returned to the land, 
They did rebuild the temple. But that temple didn't turn out the way the prophets hoped. In fact, later Israelite prophets said that this temple was hopelessly corrupt. So they're still waiting for the ultimate temple. And here we come to the story of Jesus. He said that through him, God's presence and rule was coming into our world in a new way. And he presented himself as a new kind of priest. But Jesus wasn't a priest, and he didn't work in the temple. Right. Jesus said that God's presence, his rest and rule, was filling the world through his own life, death, and resurrection. Jesus was claiming that he was the true temple, and this new temple would expand out to include all of creation. That's a really big claim. And it got even bigger. After his resurrection, Jesus said that God's presence would come to dwell in and among his followers so that they would become mini temples. Communities of people where God rests and rules. Exactly. This is the Bible's vision of the church, which is described as a temple. Not a building, but people. Yeah, like when Peter says, you all are living stones built up as a temple for God's spirit to dwell. So at the end of the story, do we ever get a new physical temple? Well, not exactly. What we see is a renewed cosmic temple, just like Genesis 1. And this new creation doesn't need a temple building because through Jesus, all creation is now the place where God rests and rules the world with his people. I hope you enjoyed that. The um, Bible Project is a great resource. It's if you've got YouTube, uh, and you, you decide, oh, I'm going to study the book of such and such, just put in the Bible project and, uh, and what you want to learn about. It doesn't even have to be a book of the Bible. It can be what you want to learn about other things. And it really, um, really just uh, lays it out. So uh, do, do, um, do you make use of that resource because I find it absolutely fantastic. So uh, I had to watch it a couple of times to get my head around it because to me, the fact that Jesus said he was the temple was a bit weird. must have even been more weird to the people uh, who heard it for the first time. But you see how this temple represented the presence of God. And we see that from uh, God wanting to be in the Garden of Eden with his people. That was the whole plan, wasn't it? God created people and, uh, and he walked with them in the Garden of Eden. That was great. That was great for them all. That lovely relationship. And then, as uh, we heard there, Adam and Eve wanted it to go their own way. They thought their way um, was just as good or better than God's way. And, uh, and I guess, you know, we still tend to think towards that way now, don't we? And that's when they were banished out of the Garden of Eden. But God wanted his presence with his people. And even though Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, uh, God created a way that his people would know that his presence was with him. So when he uh, brought the, the Hebrews out of Egypt uh, to be his people, to grow up, to be his people, he showed them that he was present with them. He showed them it by the uh, pillar of uh, uh, cloud and fire uh, by night. So they would know that their God was with them. 
And then three months out, they were to build a tabernacle. And a tabernacle was just a portable temple. It took ages to build, but it was beautiful. Uh, it had all the, the bells and whistles, but, it, but it, it could be taken down and moved to the next place because God had a job to do to teach his people. And God showed them that he was holy. And this was a place that they could come and meet with him. And when uh, the temple was finished, uh, the tabernacle was finished, he filled the tabernacle with his glory. This wonderful Shekinah cloud of light and brightness. And they knew that God was there. Uh, and God has always wanted us to know that he, uh, he would be present with us. So eventually, when they moved into the uh, Canaan, um, David planned and Solomon built a temple, a permanent temple, a beautiful temple. Well, it wasn't that permanent. It didn't last all that long because in the end, people got used to the temple and decided, well, I'll just go to this local uh, shrine instead and it won't matter. And they started thinking that, you know, the other religions in the land had a bit more fun. Oh, they, they could have uh, wild orgies if they followed their God. And, um, you know, perhaps uh, the crop would be better if they worshipped um, a different God. So eventually they decided to go their own way. And despite God calling them back, calling them back home, come into my presence, come and be with me, they, uh, they went their own way. And they ended up exiled, killed or exiled. They were attacked by a foreign power. And those that weren't killed were taken off into exile into Babylon. And the people in Babylon began to really miss the temple. You know, they, they, they wrote some songs and psalms, a longing for the days when they were there. But it was gone. Seventy years later, um, people like Zerubbabel, and Nehemiah and Ezra uh, wanted to come back uh, to rebuild the temple. They came back to Jerusalem, found the place absolutely in ruins. The temple had been burned down. There was no walls around Jerusalem. It was a mess. And they tried to build up another temple. But uh, it really wasn't uh, as good as the old one. And the people were really not as... Uh, as wholehearted in their desire to, to want to be with God. And in fact, when the older people who remembered the old temple saw the new temple, uh, the rebuilt temple, they just uh, wept because it was nothing like the old days. I guess we can all be like that. We long for the old days, don't we? Move on, 400 years and uh, a very, very wicked king, you may have heard of, King Herod, built a new temple. There's no getting away from it. It was a magnificent temple. It was absolutely wonderful. But he didn't build it for God's glory. He built it for his own glory. He, the country was ruled by the Romans, but he got permission to rebuild the temple. He thought that would go down very well with the Jewish people. I probably did, but he taxed them heavily in order to be able to, to build that temple. 
And the first temple, that uh, Solomon's temple, when it was complete, well, the tabernacle first, when it was completed, was filled with the glory of God. The Solomon's temple was filled with the glory of God when Solomon prayed, Lord, this place, even though it's great, it's not big enough to hold you. And the place was again filled with this shining cloud, the Shekinah light of God's glory. But you never hear about that in the new temple, in Herod's temple. Uh, maybe he, well, it wasn't really where God wanted his presence to be. So then this was the temple that Jesus went into. And we heard Rob reading the Bible lesson there about Jesus going into that temple and, uh, and having a go at what was going on there. Because what was going on there was that uh, the outer courts had become a marketplace. The, uh, they were selling animals and birds for sacrifice. Rules had been made up around the temple. It, it had become a religion rather than just wanting to be with God. Religion had got in the way. And people had thought, well, you know, it's probably not right to bring Roman coins into the temple because, after all, they've got the heads of Roman emperors on them and we don't want any uh, graven images. So they had to have temple coinage. But the trouble is, people had to bring the Roman coins and change it for the um, temple coinage. And there were those people uh, who... Um, What's the word? You know, well, they, they extorted people. They 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 charged exorbitant prices uh, for the exchange rate, and you can imagine them yelling uh, their wares and how much they were charging, and the noise of that. At the same time, there were those people selling animals for sacrifices, because even if you had a beautiful lamb that you brought up yourself and it was perfect, that wasn't good enough. They had to be examined. It had to be one of the lambs that was from the flocks of the temple people. And, uh, and so um, the place was filled with animals um, and people trying to sell the animals. And you can imagine Jesus going in there and knocking over these tables, money going everywhere, animals and uh, birds flying all over the place. And Jesus... Uh, says, you know, this is uh, the house of God. This is the house of God. He knew that uh, the, the temple was meant to be the presence of God. So when he said um, that his body was the temple, he was saying that he is God. Um, and that must have been absolutely amazing. And the disciples didn't understand it. Nobody understood it at the time. But it was one of those penny-dropped moments later on. And when John came to Ross, he'd wrote this and again, and um, the church was established, and John was able to say, you know, Jesus spoke about his body when he said, destroy this um, temple, and I will raise it up in three days. And of course, he was talking about his body. But then we move on again, because now... Um, we are, we have become the temple of God. You know, uh, the, um, the temple 
through, throughout the ages have been synonymous with God's presence. But the story doesn't end there because everyone who accepts Jesus as Savior, we are told that the Holy Spirit comes to be, to live in us. And we know from our Bible readings, our letters in the New Testament, that we uh, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Peter uh, says this, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, and he says this, um, where are we? You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So right from the start, we've seen that God wanted to be with his people. After they messed up, he provided a way that they could still meet with, with him to know his presence. And then after Jesus became the last and perfect sacrifice, his presence continues in every believer. We are the means by which the world sees the presence of God. You know, when it says the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, dwelt is the same word as tabernacle. He dwelt amongst us, he tabernacled with us. Um, and all through the Bible, where Jesus is talking about, we see that Jesus is saying, you know, abide in me. It's all about his presence, the presence of God. He, God, Holy Spirit, all one people dwelling together, one person dwelling together. And we are invited into this um, fellowship and the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, dwells within us. It's amazing to think that God's plan for this world is in the church. You know, this is God's plan. And, you know, when you're feeling, oh, there's not many people here today or nobody cares or the church is losing its way or whatever happens. You know that God has promised that he will use us uh, to bring his presence to the world. He can bring his presence by the things we say, by the things we do, by the uh, people that we are. In the um, very last chapters of the Bible, John writes about his vision of heaven after Jesus returns. You find that in the Revelation 21, 22. And this is what John writes. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now amongst his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. You see how that reflects back to the Garden of Eden and in heaven, it's another garden. God himself always wanted to presence himself amongst his people. 
John sees an extraordinary depiction of the new city of God. But there's something missing. There's no temple in this city. And why would there be? Because Jesus is right there with his people. And as we look to the end of the story, we see that what was lost in the beginning through sin, through Adam and Eve deciding to go their own way, we see that God is, has restored God himself dwelling with his people. You know, it's, it's absolutely remarkable, isn't it, that we will be uh, living with God forever. But also, even the world that seems so wrong in so many ways, so many things seem to be going wrong, and there's hatred, there's greed, there's wars, there's hunger, there's pain, there's so much going wrong, and yet God wants to presence himself even in this world, even as he came as a baby born into a messy world, he was born uh, into this world, he wants to be in this world, and the whole thing is that he will take his saints to live with him in glory in heaven. So amazingly, God's plan of restoration of his presence is wrapped up in us. We are his presence in our neighborhood, in our community, in our family, in our workplace, in our uh, leisure place. So do you long for God's glory to be seen in you? It's possible. It's not only possible, God promises it. He promises to come and make his home in us. But if we just sort of let him come in and then nothing else changes, if we're just like everybody else, then what will our presence do in uh, our community? We are taught to be, uh, we are salt and we are light. That's because we hold within us the presence of Almighty God. Just hold on to that thought and let's just uh, come into his presence now as the, uh, the band comes up. Just uh, think what a difference that uh, God would want to make through you. He doesn't uh, choose a few people. He doesn't choose great evangelists. He chooses the church. The church is you and me. Lord, show us your glory. Lord, as you presence yourself in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the Garden of Eden, we pray that you will walk with us, that we might know your presence on a daily basis, Lord, that we would be talking with you, listening to you, going where you show us where to go, Lord, that we would have this dwelling within us, Lord, that we would be one with you. Lord God, take us and use us and fill us with your glory. <laughs>